You'd remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from the Gospel Luke, chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. Jesus also said to them, Imagine that one of you has a friend, and you go to that friend in the middle of the night. Imagine saying, Friend, loan me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. Imagine further that he answers from within the house, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I assure you, even if he wouldn't get up and help because of his friendship, he will get up and give his friend whatever he needs because of his friend's brashness. And I tell you, ask, and you will, sh- will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. To everyone who knocks, the door is opened. Which father among you would give a snake to your child if the child asked for a fish? If the child asked for an egg, what father would give the child a scorpion? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated. Good morning. Before we begin, I thought... um, I'd meant to do it earlier, but just congratulations are in order for our Clovis High School choirs for their competition this last week, as well as the Freshman Academy. Um, Clovis represented us well, and I guess it's your choir's version of district, right? So this would be like the district competition where all the choirs sang. I mean, they got hundreds and 98s and 95s, and yeah, it was awesome. So congratulations, Sean, and our freshman choirs. And we have, you know, students singing in the choirs, and so congratulations to them. I think uh, it was a pretty much a pretty impressive all-around day for Clovis, and so that's exciting. It's good being here with you all this morning on this second Sunday of Lent. It's my prayer that we can use this time together in this season as Christians throughout history have done, and that is to use this time not as a time to, to just set aside or to stop doing something, But to use this time as a time that we are able to remove the obstacles and the spiritual boundaries that we place in our life and that keep us us from fully encountering, fully worshiping, fully being present for God. And so I want to begin this morning by inviting you to think about a meaningful gift that you have received in your childhood. So it's your childhood, so not something you've received from your spouse or from your children or from a grandchild. What was something that you think of it? And my guess is if we uh, polled uh, the congregation, if I asked all of you to share the meaningful gift that you were thinking about, it'd probably be generational in terms of uh, when your childhood, what the thing was at that time, huh? So what was meaningful, whether it was something from a grandchild to you or from your parents or from a sibling? So I took some time to think about it this week, and um, it was kind of hard to think about it because I thought, you know, a lot of these things that I considered meaningful at the time were just stuff now. And so really it was kind of hard to think about it, but I, I had to think that if there was something that in my childhood I thought was really meaningful... Well, I thought of two things. The first was something. My brother and I really wanted a Nintendo. How many parents bought their kids a Nintendo and did duck hunt, right? Or we all, most of us, have played this at some variety in our time in our life. The first Nintendo came out in 1985, so my guess 
We were certainly not the first to get a Nintendo, so I think it would have probably been 86, 87, or 88 that my brother and I wanted a Nintendo for Christmas. And so we got the Nintendo, and it was that gray box with the two controllers and the laser gun. And because we always did Christmas at my grandparents' house, we had to commandeer the TV that my grandfather watched the news while he ate breakfast out of the kitchen. And we moved it to the den, and we played Nintendo for, you know, the three or four days that we were in Roswell. I don't know if it was meaningful in a lasting sense, but at the time, well, and it probably started us, I mean, I don't know how many Nintendos I've owned since then. So anyway, um, I also think one of the meaningful gifts that we received that, that from my childhood that I got to thinking about was when my grandparents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. I was in high school, so I think I was a sophomore or a junior, and for their 50th wedding anniversary, they decided to take all of us on a cruise to the Bahamas. Now, before you get, oh my gosh, there were seven of us that went on this trip because my mom's side of my family is muy poquito, very small. And so it's my grandparents. I mean, they're no longer, they're, they've passed, but it was my grandparents, my uncle who's single, and then the four in our family. And so the seven of us went on a cruise, and it was meaningful to be able to think about, you know, the experiences that we shared, doing the van ride around Nassau or whatever island it was, um, eating and just enjoying and being with each other. And, and now that my grandparents are gone, I, I think as I think back, it was a whole lot more meaningful And now as I think about it than probably I thought it was um, when I was in high school. Now my guess is for most of us is if we really think about the meaningful gifts, my guess is what we attach to them or what really makes them more meaningful is the person that we receive them from, right? Whether it's someone that's now gone, a parent or a grandparent that gave us something that now we look at it and we think, yeah, that really makes it special. Or maybe it was something else. But during this season of Lent, we're focused on the command of God that came down to the disciples, Peter, James, and John, as they went with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration. In Luke chapter 9, the disciples witnessed Moses and Elijah like this painting showing, appearing and talking with Jesus. Now Luke tells us they were talking about Jesus' departure from Jerusalem. So Luke lets us know the reason that Moses and Elijah appear, appear with Jesus there on that mountain. And we all know the scripture that Peter, when he saw it, he said, Lord, let's make three shelters up here. I mean, it'd be one for Jesus and one for each of these giants of the faith. And Luke writes that as Peter finished his recommendation, the cloud of God overshadowed the mountain. And God said, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. But see, God knew the world that you and I live in and the disciples faced. He knows the world that you and I are part of, a world that is filled with voices, as we talked about last week, that call us to be allegiant to certain things, and they compete for our attention, don't they? And so just like in the transfiguration, you and I have to learn as followers of Jesus Christ to lean into him and to make listening to him not something we do just in emergencies or just in times of, of great stress, but at all times. 
And so part of what we have to do is die to the inner needs of ourself in order to, to fully receive the life that Jesus has offered us. Which brings us to this morning's scripture, which is also from the Gospel of Luke, as this whole st- series is. And this one's a little surprising because last week, the focus of our scripture was listening to Jesus, wasn't it? We heard the words of God. We saw the transfiguration. We know what happened. But today, the scripture reminds us of a little something different. And that is that God is just as willing to listen to us, to listen to you, to listen to your concerns, to listen to your needs, to listen to whatever it is that you need. But what we can read from the scripture is that God hears us and listens to our voice just as we are to listen to his. So our scripture this morning is not exactly the easiest scripture for us to wrap our minds around. Because it tells us something that, that is hard to comprehend. Because what Jesus is telling us is that God loves us and God cares for us and God hears our every prayer. And I think one of the hindrances or, or hiccups with one of these scriptures is, is in this scripture, there are people that believe that, that how can God, who, who created everything and who is so big and who is so all-encompassing, yet so involved with every little thing, how can God, who sees the big picture, be even here the thing that I offer, which is such a small thing? Because there are some who believe that that the God who created the heavens and who created the earth and who breathed life into each one of us, they might think, how could God be so concerned with me to hear my prayers, to hear my concerns, to hear the things that I lift to Him? See, our gospel reading tells us the exact opposite of that this morning. Is that God wants you to lift your prayer to Him. God wants you to lift your needs to Him. God cares about what you are doing and the condition of your heart. And so God wants us to ask and to know that whenever we ask, He hears our prayer, whether we lift it to Him in our voice, whether we share it with others, or whether we just lift it right here in our hearts. You know, it seems simple enough We pray, we ask, God hears. But it also seems not that simple, doesn't it? Because I know there are times that that all of us have prayers that that maybe we're too hard-headed to ask God for what we need. And so sometimes we're too hard-headed to ask for healing when we really need healing or to ask for guidance when we really need guidance or to ask for direction when we have gotten ourselves into thinking that we know what's best for us. But see, here's the thing that I think we forget is that God knows our prayers before we even lift them. God knows our hearts before we even form the prayer within our hearts. God knows what you're going to say before your mind has even begun to, 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 to put those words together in your mind and in your mouth. This means he knows everything. Your prayers and your needs and who you are at the deepest level. Because he knows your heart. And see, rather than this being a hiccup or a hindrance or an obstacle for us really praying to God, I think this is a blessing for us that God knows our heart. Because even when I am unable to utter the prayer in the way that, that I really need to say, 
God knows what I really need to say because he knows what's going on in my heart and what I really need to lift to him, doesn't he? But see, there's also a catch to God knowing our hearts. Because he also knows the motivation for our prayers. And so we might be praying for something and we might think that it's, that it's something that, you know, is going to be good and it's going to be great. But God knows how misguided our heart might be. Or whether it's an attempt for us to hide what we're really doing. And see, the thing is, is God knows. And friends, the miracle in that is that even with God knowing, he still continues and invites you to pray to him. He invites you to ask. He loves you that much. And he chooses to keep that channel of communication open for you and for me to speak to him. And so we can all be assured that, that our prayers are heard. We can all be assured that the words that we lift to God, whether we speak them with our mouths or, or craft them in our hearts, that they're lifted to His ears. Friends, the first thing Jesus tells us in this Scripture this morning is that we can't expect us to work in His lives if we're not willing to ask. Meaning we have to talk to Him in prayer. Meaning we have to seek His guidance. We have to seek His grace. Without asking, we don't put ourselves in a position to receive that that God has given us and that God is wanting to offer to us. And that's why Jesus in our Scripture said the first thing we're to do is to ask. But then He says we're also allowed to seek. And Lent is a season where if any other time in the church year, you and I are, are encouraged to seek. To step back, to prepare, to examine our hearts and minds and to see the ways that, that you and I fulfill our own needs and wants without looking to the one who really sustains us. And so in this season, well really we can ask this question anytime, but Lent is the season that, that really brings us to the place where we are encouraged to ask this, where we ask, why am I doing what I'm doing? Doing it for myself? Am I doing it to, to look good or to gain some non-spiritual benefit? Do I turn to Jesus? Because in my heart I know I need it. Do I believe in the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit? Why am I doing what I'm doing? See, we believe in the eternal life that is offered to us by God. And in Luke 11, Jesus even tells the disciples that a bad father knows how to give good gifts. And then he continues by saying, why wouldn't God, who is the ultimate good, why wouldn't he give gifts to those that he loves? But for you and I to, to be heard, we have to ask and we have to seek. We have to seek God to pursue His work in and through our lives. We have to seek God to receive the life change that He offers each of us. We have to seek God so that we can receive the grace that He offers us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then what's the last thing that Jesus says? He says we have to knock. Meaning you and I cannot passively ask and seek for God in our lives or seek for God to work in and through our lives if we're unwilling to knock. 
If we're unwilling to let God know that, that we are open to Him and that we want Him to work in and through our lives, to knock on the door of God takes risk. It requires courage, and for it we are going to be rewarded. Jesus didn't offer a secret code to following Him, did He? Like if you read the Gospels, there is nothing in the Gospels that is a secret that anyone cannot pick up and receive the full measure of what they need to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the way that God came down to work in this world through him. He didn't require a secret handshake or a phrase. He required action, which was to seek him out and to knock on the door in order for it to be opened. And that's all it's at, he asks. And see, I think one of the, the greatest things of this is that the door that we knock on that belongs to God, there is no fear when you knock on that door of having it slam shut. There's no fear of being told that God is not ready or God un, is unwilling to meet you where you are at or to welcome you in. There's no fear of being told, hey, I'm busy now, come back later. Jesus says God delights in giving us good gifts. And God delights in welcoming you and in welcoming me to His presence. He's not a friend who's only going to help you once. After you've knocked enough, after you've yelled enough, or after you've done whatever else was needed to get Him to come to the door, God is there and He is ready. He is waiting for you to give Him the attention that you des He deserves. Friends, in this season of Lent, the focus of what we do is not to draw God's attention to us. But the focus of what we do, whether we're reading a devotional or whether we're spending time in prayer or whether we are fasting or whether we are doing whatever we do, our motivation to do all of these things should be to get our eyes to be focused on the cross of Jesus and on the life that God offers us in an even greater way. That should be our motivation. And so our actions during this season should be grounded in the desire and with the goal to grow in our focus of Him. Meaning we engage in worship and study and in prayer and in fasting and in confession and whatever it is you do during the season of Lent with the, grow, the ability, with the focus being to grow in the ability to focus on God. Because when we focus on God, we're able to focus more on the needs and on the things that are of Him. And we are able to focus less on the things that only affect us. Hear the words of Jesus. As He says, ask. As he says, seek, and as he says, knock. It's only when we do these things that we will receive the blessings from God who desires to do good and to give good gifts to his children, to you and to me, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen.